Welcome back to Real Phonies, where we take a love for movies and television and combine it with very little knowledge about movies and television. I'm your host, Christian. Join me and my co-host, Joseph. Hello. And Jehu. Cacao! Oh, shit. I forgot someone. Ian's back. What? I- dum, I'm dum, back, dum. Woo! <laughs> with hot takes that are not right, but different than you three. <laughs> and that's what we need here. <laughs> There's of like the seven people that I personally know that listen to this podcast. At least once every two weeks, they go, I mean, the show's good, but can you please get fucking Ian back? (laughs) (laughs) I'm also to that like that to you guys personal. That's true. I am glad to be doing a Marvel movie. It's good to have a Marvel movie. So I'm excited, guys. Good to be back with you. Uh, Yeah. Here to discuss the first Marvel movie in two years. Black Widow. I, should I s- s- synopsize this? I mean, it uh, takes place immediately after the events of Civil War. Uh, Natasha on the run is communicated by her long lost sister where they find the tool necessary for her to finally take down the Red Room uh, and put her childhood and assassin past behind her. That's pretty good. Yeah, that was this succinct. All star cast in this bunch of new additions. Yes. We've got uh, uh, David Harbour, famously of, of Stranger Things, as the uh, Red, Red Guardian, Guardian uh, and, and father figure of the family. We've got uh, Rachel Weiss as Melania. Is that right? I don't know if she has a comic book name. I don't think that was brought up in the movie. I don't think she's a comic book character. That Okay, I good. And uh, realistically, the most important addition, be- because this is a backdoor pilot for her character, uh, <laughs> Florence Pugh as Yelena, uh, kind of a younger sister, if not by blood, to uh, Natasha. And Ray Winstone's in it. Well, you know, and what, what should I know Ray, Ray Winstone from? Indy 4. That's the only thing okay. I know from. And that, The Departed. And the Departed. Yeah, he has the best scene in The Departed. That's, That's exactly true. how I want to go. <laughs> because... Um, Ian turned to and me and was like, is that, is that the guy from X2? And I was like, I don't think so, but it's literally the same person. They're like, very close. The, the name <laughs> is different, but the face and characters they play are the same. Yeah, it's yeah. Diet Brian Cox. That's what I told Joseph in a text. Hmm. But, and also uh, the, bon- the Bond chick from uh, Quantum yes. Solace. Yeah, which, I mean, I don't know if I knew that she was cast, but I saw her. And we'll get into spoilers in a minute. But when I saw her in the opening credits, I was like, oh, I didn't know she's in this movie. Oh, I know who she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what were our general reactions, guys? Okay, so I watched it twice. I screened it with some of my staff and Susie. And then I watched it on IMAX with Joseph. And usually, you know, I have, a, you know, it's famous from this podcast. The more I watch something, the less I like it. But I really enjoyed this movie. I thought I think it's because I had low expectations out of the four Marvel movies this year. This is the one I'm least looking forward to. Um, but yeah, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, as far as like if you stacked it against other phase one movies, I think it's definitely in the upper tier of those. I recently did a rewatch of the Marvel movies and it's definitely in my top half. It definitely echoes a lot of different espionage movies. I thought like the cold opening which is in the 90s, I thought was very The Americans with uh, Felicity, I forget her, and Carrie Russell. And, right. um, and and I love that show. So, I mean, it felt very that. And then I think the uh, the Budapest action scene felt very Jason Bourne, like kinetic action, like very like throwing people against walls and using household objects in like dangerous ways and the way that they were chasing through the city and like going from a, like a motorcycle 
people to a car to the subway thought that was cool and then like i think the the prison action scene felt very james bond like it was taking place in in the mountains in the snow and it had like the rescuing with a helicopter so like i think it checked a lot of boxes for me um florence Pugh definitely stole the movie i almost feel like she was the main character you could argue and i think her dry humor is going to play really well going forward in the MCU. Um, her, like, the whole thing with, like, the posing, uh, her making fun of Black Widow for her fight pose cracked me up. And the second rewatch, I really like David Harbour. I think he was just great with the Red Guardian. Um, I'd like to see more of him. The only downside, I think, was definitely Taskmaster is underutilized, for sure. Tony Masters in the comics is, like, other than Deadpool, he's like the most famous mercenary. Uh, he has like a wise ass, cool fighting style. And I think they kind of did the T2 thing, like sort of like Winter Soldier, where it's like a silent kind of just force. And I don't think they've made good use of the skills. Um, it was sort of like Easter egg. Oh, he's fighting like Black Panther. Oh, he's fighting like Captain America. And I think uh, Joseph made a good point, And, you know, I don't want to let him talk about it where they could use that more as a way to overcome. Did they just they didn't use Taskmaster as much as they should now? It is a famous actress, so I'm hopeful in the future that, you know, that'll come back around. I think the end is very much like a Marvel movie, too. Um, It falls into those trappings of, like, big set piece. um, Things kind of just work out. I think that the third, the the final third of the movie is my least favorite. I like the first third and, like, the middle part more. But overall, I was impressed because I don't think I was, I didn't think I was going to like it. I really did I uh, I intentionally make other people go first when I don't like a movie because I think it sets the tone of the rest of the podcast. So I'm glad you're so positive on it, Ian. I'm glad I can help out. Yeah, because the further I get away from this movie, the more it just drives me fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> I, I think we've established here that Marvel, I don't even know if they, they probably can, but they they don't make worse than Transformers movies. I mean, it's definitely like baseline entertaining. You can sit down and watch it and it's not going to like, bore you to tears or make you mad or anything but just the lack of like you know one is a prequel which always presents certain problems narratively because we already know what happens to her character so it's not really a black widow movie like we like ian kind of talked about florence Pugh's kind of the main character which is kind of a disservice in a movie called black widow but generally i just didn't feel like they had any confidence in like anything that they were doing there were just way too many story elements because i don't feel like they were sure what was gonna stick and so they just decided to just add more story points. And I don't like this, the self-referential making fun of the hero landing thing because I feel like that's starting to become embarrassed of being a superhero movie, which I mean, once we go down that road and be like, why are we all in skin tight suits? And like, I don't know, like it, it just, it starts to get, I don't know. I don't, I don't like that, that mentality. But Definitely, like I, I w- when that part came up, I was like, "Well, did she watch Iron Man too? Like, where did she even see that?" Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, like it's, it's. I can't remember a part where she's doing that pose, like in public and shit. Maybe once in Civil War or something, but yeah, I, that 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 thing annoyed me, even though it was fun. Well, the battle for New York was on TV. They say that, but I don't remember first. her doing that pose in the Battle of New York. But I could be wrong about that. Yeah. Anyway, it's better than Transformers. They're just barely for me. What do you got hurt? Oh uh, man, yeah, I, I I was basically going to say the same thing as you that I I don't think that they've made a Marvel movie that's worse than Transformers, and this isn't worse than Transformers. It's a fun, entertaining movie, but it's it's towards the bottom for me. It's a right around, I you know I think Iron Man three is the only thing that keeps it from being the bottom. You know, there's there's some things like right before I watched this movie, I had read this article about. Uh, 
Eric Stoltz getting fired from Back to the Future. You know, uh, if you don't know that Eric Stoltz had played Marty McFly and they had filmed about a third of the movie and then they decided it wasn't working and, you know, they fired him and hired uh, Michael J. Fox. We're, we're glossing and, over that because it's a great Hollywood story, but just imagine how bad you have to be <laughs> to, to, well, to spend a, like a third of the time filming the movies like, no, we have to start over. Well, the, the thing is, what, they, what it said was is that he was a good actor he was making the character of martin mcfly come alive but he just could not make the jokes funny it just was not in his skill set at that point of course he got funny later because he's hilarious in pulp fiction but uh but at that point he just couldn't do it and i think before this movie because she was always in larger ensemble pieces i hadn't noticed that scarlett johansson can't really land the quippy stuff Mm. like this movie was lacking in jokes that landed and you can you can write that off as fluff but that's a big part of the formula with these movies that i think the strength of these movies is they really harken back to the very original marvel stuff you know if you go back and read the the very first fantastic four or uh, spider-man comics it's a mixture of big superhero and sci-fi stuff mixed with angsty melodrama mixed with jokes and the jokes are a big part of this and i think with her she just had a hard time landing them when she was the center of attention i think the mother and father were hilarious but you know you don't really get to them till like halfway through the movie and also i should say this i i had this personal like sort of misinformation that was corrected halfway through the movie that kept me from enjoying it for the first half, which we were watching it. And uh, when Florence Pugh first comes on screen, uh, Sarah was like, Oh yeah, that's a, that's Shia LaBeouf's girlfriend. And, and and I was like, I like immediately could not enjoy this movie. He's like, this girl is with that garbage fucking person. You you know, that's worse than that, right? Yeah. That's one of my notes is uh, how does Zach uh, Braff get her? I, not I, not I, only I, hang on well fuck god we have to save this for later but fuck we gotta come back to it because that's, well, that's a note i wrote how the fuck did zach braff land her well, yeah. okay uh, you know I, I i'm aware of this i'm in the future now with you as well but uh, <laughs> but but at this point she said that and she's like yeah it was a big controversy because of the age difference and stuff like that now but i was just pissed because you know shia labeouf is just such garbage if you don't if you're out there in listener land and you don't know what garbage he is just uh, Google Shia LaBeouf Daniel Close, and that'll tell you everything you need to know about that fucking dude. So I'm just hating that fucking movie. And about about the time of the of the prison sequence, which I think is the best sequence in the movie, I was like, man, I'm just having a real hard time enjoying this movie because of Shia LaBeouf. And then Sarah was like, oh, no, this wasn't Shia LaBeouf. It was Zach Braff, which I'm totally fine with. I, I can get that completely. Maybe not on her end, but on his end, like... <laughs> Like Zach Braff is never going to land a girl over 25. No one over 25 thinks Garden State is awesome. You know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people under it do. But as soon as you hit 25, you're like, oh, this movie's kind of dumb. And the fucking girl character in it is in its own way as sexist and unreal as a fucking big titty hoe and a beer commercial. So, uh, but once I found that out, I was able to enjoy her for the rest of the movie. So, yeah, better than Transformers. All my other problems with it, I can't get to to spoilers. <laughs> we haven't even talked about spoilers yet. Christian hasn't <laughs> even talked since the intro. <laughs> well, guys, I hate to be 
the guy who causes a I don't even know if it's a tie. I fucking loved it. I thought it was fantastic. <laughs> um, I have not really enjoyed the solo movies much in a while. I find most of them to be pretty bland, pretty formulaic. But kind of to Ian's point, I really, really enjoyed the spy movie influences. There definitely were moments in this movie where you're like, oh, this is taken from Jason Bourne or this is taken from James Bond. And I think they worked. I think they played pretty well. You know, if you're disappointed about Taskmaster, I think that's probably a fair critique. But I also just didn't care at all like to me he's not the villain of the movie like that is a side character you spend no time with uh or she spoilers i guess but uh i do think that it has some issues but for the most part the things you're supposed to like work and uh it was just fun to see a marvel movie again i think florence Pugh knocks it out of the park i mean i think if there's any complaint it's that it's supposed to be scarlett johansson's movie and not just because the way yelena's kind of written as the lead but I think Scarlett Johansson's kind of outacted in it. I think Florence Pugh is fantastic in this movie. Um, and again, I, I, I thought David Harbour stole the show. I, yeah. I think he nails every line he's given in both comedic and emotional moments. I think he kills it. I don't know. I was just really, really pleased because uh, the ones that I mean, besides Black Panther, which is the standard like Doctor Strange, Captain Marvel, those movies are there. There's things to like, but they, I don't know. They don't hit for me. This one re- had jokes. It was enjoyable. I like spending time with these people. I want to see all of them again. Yeah, better than Transformers. I agree with Jones. Like, Hurt, to your point, you said that you didn't think the jokes landed, but I think ScarJo, she's playing like the tortured straight person. I think Florence Pugh and David Harbour landed plenty of jokes. Like, Florence Pugh's thing about the vests and the pockets, like, that shit cracked me up. Um, the vest was good, and her her line about this would be a cool way to die. I loved. That. Yes, but yeah, but I I think in the first half of the movie, before we get to David Harbor, I think ScarJo's inability to land the joke sort of steps on Florence Pugh's as well. So she doesn't really get that funny to me till the second half. Yeah, some of the stuff like the way she was joking about the hysterectomy, like, and to David Harbor, like. I think it's just a completely different way she faced that trauma than ScarJo. And I yeah. think it worked. I really do. Yeah. I thought it was good. Spoilers. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, <laughs> sp- uh, speaking of the hysterectomy, that, that also, I should say, I, uh, uh, you know, just so this isn't a bunch of uh, dudes ragging on a chick for not being funny. Uh, Sarah had sort of the same complaints as well, that, uh, that there was a lot of heavy concept in this movie, sort of, you know, uh, female subjugation, the fucking forced sterility and stuff like that. And a little more fun could have taken the edge off that in places. I like that you just pulled, but I know a woman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I do know one. She lives with me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and also, I just sort of ragged on her about the Shia LaBeouf thing. So I had to bring it back around mm. so I don't get in trouble when she listens to the show. <laughs> I mean, we can jump into spoilers. Is that, is that much really to spoil? I mean, functionally... Again, it's a prequel. You kind of know how it plays out. Spoiler alert, Scarlett Johansson lives. So that she can die later. Correct. She can die. Yeah. There's a, there is a lot of her falling in this movie. That's true. She yeah. jumps out of a helicopter at one point. She jumps out of off a building that's floating in the sky. I don't know if I don't know if we're supposed to be comparing it, so you're, but you're I saying, definitely you're saying did. it was just due time. Like gravity was getting what yeah. was owed to it. For sure. <laughs> that, 
That was the longest free fall, by the way, in that 13. <laughs> I don't know how – she must have been in outer space because she was free falling for like 30 minutes, and I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, it reminded me – I thought about that takeoff scene from like Fast Five where it's like just the longest fucking runway on the planet. Like. <laughs> you, guys, you guys mentioned Fast and the Furious, and I also got to say that if you would have told me three weeks ago – that if I did a drinking game during this movie where I took a shot every time they said family, that I would have gotten drunker than I would have <laughs> during fat, uh, Nine Fast, Nine Furious, I wouldn't have believed it. But that's where we are. They said family a lot in this movie. Yeah. See, I really liked the dinner scene, too. I thought that was hilarious. Like the four of them, like, don't slouch. And, yeah. you know, with, you know, and I think Rachel, you know, Weiss, Weiss was, or I don't know how to say that. Rachel Weiss was a little underused, but like, I thought in that scene, it was really good. And that also made me laugh a lot. Like there were a lot, I think this is one of the funnier movies. So I'd have to disagree. With- I, I think, I think Ian, you've latched on to, I think what I think makes this movie special and what I wish that they had spent a lot more time on because so much of this movie, and I mean like just generally plot wise, like structurally, one reminded me a lot of Captain America and the Winter Soldier, right down to, you know, the silent, terrifying henchman that needs to be turned to the good side. And, you know, the powerful old white male, uh, you know, finger behind the, the button in the console, you know, whatever, controlling things from behind the scenes. And so, like, I kept watching this movie and thinking, I'd rather watch that movie. And then as far as, like, the espionage things, I kept thinking of Atomic Blonde. And how that does all the things that this movie's trying to do, but better. And so I, I feel like for all of its aping, the thing that I think it wanted to spend more time on, I think the thing that made it more interesting was this kind of forced family of, you know, they're, they're not really related. They're all these distrustful, you know, Soviet spy characters uh, but in you know that forced time together, particularly for the young ones, there's like uh, a bond that they may not have intended to to form there. Uh, and I, I wish that they had one started that earlier, like gotten the band together earlier, and kind of played on those relationships, like with a conflict. Because I mean, the, the main conflict, I at least as far as I perceived it, is that Florence Pugh thought that that they were a family, and nobody else really thought they were a family that much. Uh, and then by the end, they were like, oh, no, we're all family. It was all real, whatever. Uh, but I, I like the idea that one, over the course of it, we kind of play with this notion that they all kind of had different degrees of like how much they really connected and how much they felt like they were family and also might still have a lot of, you know, because they're all still spies, uh, have moments of, of trust and distrust and, and fear of betrayal and then actual betrayals and then coming back to save people even though they betrayed him because they're family. Like, I feel like they're, that was the much more interesting dynamic and thing to play on in this movie. And it just was not the thing that they capitalized on. It was just one of like seven things that they tried to do in this movie. <laughs> right. Hey. So are we in spoilers? Oh, yeah. 100%. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and rag on, uh, rag on the, the fucking Taskmaster thing, because I, I feel like <laughs> this is easily to be dismissed as like, you know, I just don't like she's a girl, and I want to be 100% clear. <laughs> I have no problem with I that. Can, I can tell you I'm mad that it wasn't Rachel Vice because that's all I wanted. That's what I thought going into it. So that's another reason why I don't think I'm pissed because of that reason, because I was convinced going into it that it was Rachel Vice, and I really don't mind. Like Marvel did a very good job in the early things being very reverent to things. So I think they've earned the right to change things around now, but they've got to do a good job of it. And for one thing, didn't this play out like exactly like ghost and Ant-Man and, uh, 
Ant-Man and Wasp, wasn't it like, you know, a character that was fully covered and vaguely presented as being a man. And then you find out it's a lady who's basically carrying her dad's water. Am, am I misremembering that? I mean, Ghost is in a large portion of that movie. I don't remember it being like a quick reveal. I, at least halfway through, you know who Ghost yeah. is. Yeah. I think generally but, you're right, but I think you're, uh, Christian's right. You find out Ghost is a girl much more earlier. And, and she's like and, actually a character where the Taskmaster is not a character in this movie. Well, yeah, I, I think Ghost was probably done weather, but I'm just, I think my point is, is the, I think the main reason this reveal didn't break anybody's mind is because everybody had already seen it. They'd already pulled that trick once where we have a villain where he thinks it's a dude and then, whoa, it's a girl. I think they should have just been up front with the beginning that, hey, Taskmaster's a lady. Beyond that, I just, you know, if you don't know anything about Taskmaster as a, as a character, uh, you know, they presented this in the movie that it's a mimic. Uh, uh, in the comics, he can look at anyone fight and fight just like them. But I think it's cooler as just being an issue with his brain and not like a microchip implanted in the neck or something. I also think, why Why exactly, why were Taskmaster and the Rain Winstone character even separate characters? I mean, Taskmaster's whole thing in comics is that he trains supervillains. If you're Dr. Doom, you hire Taskmaster to train your goons. That's basically what the bad guy did in this. He trained hired killers. Why are those even separate characters? Why not just make them one character that is a badass on their own, that is a that is the master of their own destiny that could return as a cool character. Whereas with this, there's the lame ass face turn at the end and either we're a going to get her back as a good guy, which is lame or never see that character at all. I, I just think this is the first time that a Marvel movie has really blown it on their version of a character. I think this was a really cool character that they did not do a good thing with. And to the point of it being a girl, what, what I think that it would have been cooler if she was the evil one. Cause I mean, the, the really evil characters in the Marvel movies are the most interesting characters. Why couldn't this girl be Thanos? Why couldn't this girl be the vulture? You know, why couldn't this girl be Zima instead of just, you know, a silent Terminator? I, I, I just think they blew it on that. character. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I pretty much disagree with that for a couple of reasons. Number one, I, I, I believe I said this when I saw her name pop up in the opening credits and immediately was like, oh, that that chick's taskmaster. There's no way you cast her and this be the only time you use her. I, and I also believe based on what we've seen through Falcon and the Winter Soldier in this film, I don't think the MCU will be as black and white anymore. I don't think there is going to be as many clear-cut good guys and bad guys like you know it, it, John Walker a lot of people responded negatively but I think that because of how brutal that guy was but I think generally we all agree he killed that part he was great in it and we want to see more of that dude in that role I, I think probably I I don't think we were ever supposed to have strong feelings about Taskmaster and whether that's the mistake of even using that character I just think you, we were it was just someone in this movie and the real villain is supposed to be Drekov or however you say his name that this is and 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 I would say probably my big complaint with the film is to me it's more of a movie about backdoor pilots 
than it is anything else. Like it's definitely a black door pilot for Yelena to become the new Black Widow. And and I also felt the same way about Taskmaster. I don't think the Taskmaster we saw in this movie has anything to do with really the Taskmaster we're going to see in three or four years, because I do believe they're going to come back to her. And I, I it could be completely and fundamentally different than what we saw now, because it wasn't a character. Now, we spent no time developing who they were or their presence. It was just there for fight scenes. And again, it may be a mistake to take a character that has such clout and use them that way but to me i read it as they're just they're just trying to get me familiar with this now because i'm sure we will use it again later yeah i agree i think you don't cast that girl unless she's going to come back and more stuff and i think marvel what they did with zemo shows they can reboot a character in the universe like zemo in civil war is like a soldier who had lost his family Zemo in Falcon Winter Soldier is like a rich Sokovian prince. You know what I mean? Like, I think that they can change it and make it work. And and I think with the end credit scene, I have a feeling like Taskmaster and Yelena, whatever they're doing with Valentina and U.S. Agent, I think that they're not exactly good. I don't know if the, they probably will eventually become good, but I have a feeling that they're all working together. And they're like he said, it's, they're in the gray area. So I think... I think that they can do something with it, and I think they will. I, Marvel has my trust in that. I mean, I, I can kind of get what you're saying, but I'm also like, if she comes back and she does become, you know, sort of doing the same thing she was doing before, you know, just, I, I don't know, that that would also be kind of a bummer. Like, she was basically freed from slavery and then just goes back to doing the same shit. Yeah, I mean, I, I get that to a point, but also it's kind of interesting, the concept of a person who doesn't know any different. They don't know That's how true. to be different. Uh, right. They've only ever done one thing and they were controlled to do it. And now they kind of have to face the reality that that's the only skill that they have. And how do you how do you measure that? Also, it's not like we're going to have a hundred black widows running around trying to all be an Avenger, which is kind of how the movie ends is what <laughs> we're, but some of them are still going to do bad things uh, because that's all they know. I like the idea of, of Taskmaster putting in like a resume on Indeed and it has like a checkbox to be like, do you know how to use Excel? And she's like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why she goes back into supervillainy. <laughs> she definitely doesn't have a master's degree or 10 years experience. <laughs> so Ian brought up the end credit scene. What, what do we think of that? I think it was spoiled by Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we think we all I think once we all knew that that Val was going to show up in this somehow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I called that it was going to be her and um, I don't know if it was, it was spoiled, I guess, but it didn't make me like it any less. And, you know, I think we all think that it's going towards Thunderbolts, you know, and I told Joseph, you guys have been talking the podcast a lot about like Thunderbolts and whether that'll be like a suicide squad type movie. But I think they're building Thunderbolts maybe more as like the villain of cat four. And it's going to be like the evil Avengers, not more like good guys kind of, doing you know bad guys trying to be good i think they're going to be like the evil avengers and that's kind of where they're building towards which i think would be cool i think i think you're right i think before we get thunderbolts we get dark avengers we get like a series of characters who are sort of stand-ins for all the original avengers but it's a darker take and once they're exposed then maybe it becomes the thunderbolts yeah i can see that but one thing i had is where did valentina get the information that hawkeye killed her on boromir like 
Which Avenger is snitching is what I want to know. Like, how did he know that Hawkeye was the one? <laughs> Again, that was another that was another example of like, what, have these guys watched the movies? Have they seen all the movies? Yeah. It's a, another thing, like, how is after everything Scarjo did, she just has a little ass grave in Ohio. Like, she should have a fucking monument in Washington, D.C. She brought back half the fucking world. Like, I was like, what the fuck? Yeah, I, I I, also that was another thing that bugged me is that she had that apologize scene with the kid because she had blown her up as a little girl, which, first of all, just because you didn't kill someone you when you blew them up doesn't really make up for blowing them up. But uh, also, like like she had already made good. I know it was in the future, but she brought back half the people in the universe. She had made good on her Whedon-y dialogue of balancing her ledger or whatever. Yeah, that was my least favorite part of the movie is the <laughs> you girls have so much red in your ledger now. I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ. This wasn't great dialogue to begin with. Let's not reference it. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of liked it. <laughs> I do. <laughs> All right. So is there anything else we feel like we have to say about Black Widow? Man, um, I, I usually sit down and like write some some stuff about the movie, either trivia or reviews or things, just so that I have things that we were going to talk about. But I knew I wasn't going to need it today, so I wrote nothing. <laughs> I got a few things. One thing that I loved, I'm sure you all hated, was Smells Like Teen Spirit as the oh, intro God. song. Oh, God, down. it was that awful. Was my shit. I almost gave the movie worse than Transformers based (laughs) just on that. I was so, I'm so sick of that cliched bullshit. Look, I loved it and it is cliche. I don't give a fuck. I like that song and just slow a song down and make it more, you know. Have a chick sing it. All of a sudden it's fucking hip again. It's terrible. It would be God, Kurt Cobain's a legend. (laughs) It would be slightly more tolerable if it wasn't the same line like over and over, like the same notes over and over and over again, but so fucking slow. Uh, it's just, it's miserable. It was a very unpleasant experience for me. Yeah, I, I really, really hated. it. I will um, say, I will say I've watched the movie twice and thank God the whole, that whole bit goes way faster on the second viewing. Cause the first time I was like, this shit is four minutes. Someone <laughs> fucking kill me. It's right. terrible, but it's right. really like 25 seconds, but it felt forever. Yeah. It did seem like it was a long intro. Movies don't really have long intros like that normally anymore. So I thought that was cool. I said, I think it felt expensive. I've been watching a lot of the Marvel TV shows. I know we all have this definitely felt like more expensive. I know it's of course, bigger budget, but it like, I don't know. It just it felt like I, I don't know. I, I thought the Marvel shows have felt like they're putting a lot of money into them. But I thought this felt like a step above those. I mean, I think it is a step above the shows. I do feel like for a Marvel budget, I still think they could have like pitched in a little bit more. You know, again, like the, the whole the whole sky base thing still felt very seti to me. Uh, I don't I don't feel like they really fleshed out that space very well. Uh, and I, I know I told you, but I was generally frustrated in, in what I feel like is a new golden age of like, I don't know, martial arts and combat in movies that there wasn't more. Uh, I don't know. I, I didn't feel like the fighting scenes were anything to write home about. They were more borny than I than I would have liked. There was, I did feel very similar about the sky base thing. I it it's become very common lately with Loki and whatever no sudden move that movie we watched last week i feel like and joseph you know exactly what i'm talking about if you've ever worked in a government office it hasn't been updated since 1976 
<laughs> like all the furniture is the exact same. There's just no federal funding for a chair that was made in the 80s or 90s. Shit just doesn't update. And so I was a little I'm, I'm just fed up with watching movies that look like my office. I, I'm, I'm done. with it. <laughs> right. And I was a little surprised that we have a floating mega tower in the sky and the inside looks like a post office. <laughs> just that one guy's office but yeah right. well, the whole the hallway that Florence Pugh like fights in yeah that shit was definitely filmed in a post office <laughs> see I, I think this movie is, looked a lot better than Falcon and Winter Soldier but I don't think it looked a good, as good as Loki and I, I don't know if that's money or just Loki has more style but I, I felt like watching this in the middle of watching Loki also probably hurt my enjoyment of it yeah I think the first episode of Loki and and the most recent one, definitely, they feel a little more big budget. But the middle ones, it's really just Owen Wilson, Loki and like Sylvie, like talking in like rooms about themselves. So, you know, I feel like but I but I agree. Like, yeah, the the first two, the first and the last Loki are a little bit more. The other thing I said is I would love a Red Guardian Disney plus like I don't think you get a show. It might be a little too much, but like a TV movie where they do the Winter Guard. So like do Crimson Dynamo, do um that fucking talking bear that smokes and drinks and just do like Russia's <laughs> Avengers. I would be so into that. Oh, shit, that, that reminds me of the other thing. So where are we? Do we do we think that he really fought Cap at some point or fought a Cap at some point? Or is he just full of shit? I think he's full of shit, but I would love it if they did something where he fights like Isaiah Wilson from Falcon yeah, Winter Soldier. I, li- I like that, they, that that's a possible op- open option that there could be a pretender cap that he fought at some point in the past. Cause that would be a really great vindicating moment. I, I 100% mean, believed it. I thought I, he did. I think they'll either be a pretender cap or some way they met while cap was putting away the stones. Hmm. Oh, that would be cool. I didn't that think would about be funny. Yeah, yeah. And I, it makes Avengers age of Ultron worse. I think I wrote because that whole fucking movie was introducing all these plots and like they do a Julie Delpy, like breadroom scene which they completely fucking just ignore. They don't bring her back at all. So like Mm. they didn't even need to do that in fucking age of Ultron. So like it connects more to Avengers one because they do the Dracoff's daughter. Like Loki mentions that to her. So that was interesting too. Man, I don't, I don't want to dig too deep into the lore of this movie because I think, again, it's, it's a very spaghetti approach. I don't know if they necessarily (laughs) meant for everything to work the way it should, but let's, let's be clear on, on the red rooms uh, position here. They only take, you know, these these stolen children, these like desired, unwanted stolen children, but also they choose them based on genetics. So they're like monitoring that. But then they also give them hysterectomies so they can't have more children with their superior <laughs> genetics. That, that is a really point. bad plan. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, that's funny. It don't make no sense. The last thing I got is um, I'm totally excited for Hawkeye. Because, I mean, that's what the end credit scene tees. And I called that when, when they said in our text group, when we announced, you know, Florence Pugh was going to be in the Hawkeye show, I said, I bet you she breaks bad. And they turned that Hawkeye-Black Widow relationship on its head. You know, that's their, you know, they're now they're enemies. And I think that'll be interesting, especially with Kate Bishop, you know, Haley Steinfeld coming in. So I'm, I'm pretty jazzed for that show. Um, I think it'll be good. I'm hoping so, at least. Have you guys, like, done the math of how much Marvel shit we get this year? Like, all the first two phases, we're getting equal that in just in the, this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's insane. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not I'm, complaining. I'm, 
I'm not complaining about that either. <laughs> Did you guys see that Steven Dorf shit this week? Oh yeah, fuck Look, that guy. Yeah. I don't <laughs> fuck that guy. But here's here's the only part of it that I think is funny is that he said that he feels embarrassed for them to be in it. He was in a fucking vape commercial. <laughs> like he doesn't get to be embarrassed for anybody. He said that uh you know, find me the guy who wants to be the next Stanley Kruber. I'll act for that guy. Did that guy directing that vape commercial want to be the next fucking Stanley Kubrick? Yeah. Come the fuck off. Or Maybe Blade that, One. Maybe that's why <laughs> Steven Dorf never made it. Right. And I, the thing is, I actually like Steven Dorf. I just think that was a dumb fucking position to take. I mean, it's fine. Don't like whatever you don't want to like, but don't say something stupid while you're I know. I don't, I don't like there's a whole James Gunn quote that came out today, a similar thing. <laughs> I don't understand why we're encouraging tribalism within you know, these superhero movies or movies in general. Just like let people make what they make, let people like what they like. Like, how does it hurt anybody if there's just more shit, you know? Yeah. Right, right. Not right. damn. It's not that hard. I say after we've critiqued this fucking thing for 40 minutes. Right. Well, it's better than Transformers. Yeah, it's still better than yeah. Transformers. Yeah. I, 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 all that said, I like this movie. I like, I've liked every Marvel movie. I'm sure I'll like the next one. Correct. Well, cool. What have we been watching this past week, guys? I don't really have much of anything. So the only thing I wanted to say is uh, kind of do a check-in. Hurt, you told me you would watch Critical Role. We're like three episodes in now. Have you watched any of Andrea Unlimited? I literally forgot that it was even a thing. On my way to the doctor's office, I will start. I'm calling bullshit, but I hope you do. (laughs) I really really am. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have a double bonus just for you next week, Christian Jones, because a friend of mine talked me into trying Doctor Who again. Fuck yeah. So I will have Critical Role and Doctor Who next week. I will say as a a listener of the podcast, Hurt, I've seen you slowly get into these things that Jones and Nips like, and I'm pretty sure the next thing you're going to say is you watched that Studio Ghibli movie about the magical raccoon penises and that you enjoyed it. (laughs) Okay, but listen to that description. Who wouldn't enjoy that? (laughs) I mean, they haven't talked me into it, but you just kind of talked me into it. Joseph, have you been watching EXU? Look, I don't want to dissuade Hurt from doing it, but I'm only one one episode and one hour in. Uh, oh, God. I have I have an issue. One, introductory stories drive me crazy for these kind of things. Yeah, no other lower story... level D&D is not good. Uh, yeah, it's it, like we need we need a driving force from like get go and we can we can do some character development on the way. But I, I don't know if it gets better. But there's definitely a problem with the fact that every single one of the the group is aligned either neutral or chaotic. Do, is, is, do you feel like this is getting better? Because it definitely like uh, this is going deeper than the other two are, are, are here for. But, you know, like Keyless, nobody's favorite character from the first campaign. Maybe Matt's favorite character, but not many people's favorite character. Uh, but like the moral compass of the group is kind of necessary to keep from going on the murder hobos track, which is fucking boring. Uh, and I'm afraid they're a, a hair's breadth away from the murder hobos track. Yeah, I mean, I, Liam definitely is that. I mean, well, he's he trying to be, but he's neutral, yeah. neutral. He's not even that fucking, you know, he's the closest thing they have, but he's not even like fully committed to it. I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm, I will get to it eventually, but I'm concerned. Listen, I don't think it's great. It's not critical, critical role at its best. Uh, for sure. One, I think lower level D&D is just hard. Like it's just hard to make 
mysterious bad guy robs you while you're trying to sleep. Interesting. He's got 27 hit points. It <laughs> sucks. I think the presence of evil is definitely interesting, but I think it's kind of a slow reveal. There's a lot going on. Even more shit has happened since you watched. Um, but Gilmore's back and that was great. You know, like you guys aren't there yet, but Gilmore uh, comes back and it's lovely. But the other thing that I do like about it is that's hard to get over is the different DM style. I mean, Matt's just arguably the best GM on the planet. And um, so it's interesting to see how somebody else runs it and someone else who just wants their players to succeed so much. I don't know that. I'm not saying Matt punishes people. Yeah, but yeah. That, Matt's very literal. Like if you roll a natural one, you could die. Yeah. Um, and Abrea is not like that. Yeah. And I, I also noticed that it, like it, it's kind of an immersion thing to me in that, you know, Matt's yes. Matt's pretty, you know, rigid on the rules and the rules are the rules. And that's how you know that there are consequences for things. Uh, and I feel like that's part of why, like, there's drama in things. I don't know. I'm shitting on it. I've only watched one episode. I'm, I'm going to keep going eventually. We're almost halfway there. This week's halfway through. So yep. one more month till Real Critical Role comes back. But that's it. Ian, you've had you've had a year away from the podcast. You can talk about whatever the fuck you want. That's true. Yeah. I've been watching lots of shit. Um, the, the one thing I will talk about, I'm rewatching West Wing. You've all seen West Wing, I'm guessing? It's the best. Hell yes. Yeah. Okay, so I watched it once a few years ago when I was basically like assistant managing it by you, and I was like late at night, and I would fall asleep to it. So some of it I remember, some of it I don't. But, man, we're just finished season one into season two. Um, and I think they made a big mistake because Mandy just doesn't work as a character in season one. We all know that, right? And season the season finale is assassination of Bartlett. They try and kill him. Um, spoilers. And then in season two starts, there's just no Mandy. They don't talk about her. They don't do anything. Yep. Mandy should have been assassinated and shot in the head in the season one finale <laughs> and that is i don't understand why you don't do that there like it would have gave more stakes to everything and like you still get rid of the shitty character and we would have gotten to see your shot in the head Ian, so I don't Ian, know. you've gotten you so so this is it's a recurring trope i've talked about this on the podcast before uh, that's known within the west wing fan base that characters who don't test well just disappear and never get talked about again on the the, the thing it's named after Mandy. It's not called Mandy Land, which drives me fucking crazy. It's Mandy. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's just it, there's there's a wiki article of list of people that are in Mandyville now. But I fucking love this version of the West Wing where instead of, you know, like quietly disappearing off screen, each one of them just gets abruptly shot in the head. And it's not really acknowledged outside of that. That's fucking amazing. Yeah. So I, I was just. They should have killed her. It just, I don't know. I was still really struck by like, because uh, I noticed she wasn't there anymore. And then I'm like, did she get assassinated? I didn't notice it. So I went back and looked. No, she just disappears. And you just missed such an opportunity where she could have just gotten killed and we all would have enjoyed it. And dude, I don't know why there was never even just one line of dialogue. It's like, hey, people are getting shot. Mandy's freaked out. She's not coming back to work. Like, <laughs> I know. There you go. Yeah. It's fucking solved. But definitely, I like your idea better. They're shooting people. Why not, you know, really take care <laughs> of somebody? Yep. Yeah, because I mean, Josh didn't get shot. Like, Josh is so, seen like bleeding out in the beginning of second season. So she was already gone by that point. And right. God, the other thing I like that show is like, they did not know what they were doing in the first season. Like, 
Mandy in the pilot, she's like almost they they set her up as like one of the co leads. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like she really gets the they do not know what to do with her, and she's so <laughs> annoying. You know what I mean? And it's like by the end of it, she's like asking Toby for panda bears for China. You know what I mean? So it's like <laughs> they really were figuring some shit out in that first season, and I'm surprised at like how good it was, even though they really didn't know what the fuck they were doing in season one. That's true network TV, baby. But I mean, that's you're, like you said, that's a testament. Yeah, that show fucking kicks, even though Mandy does kind of suck. Yeah, yeah. I definitely what you talk about there is a thing I just miss in modern television, where everything's just so much more planned out, and I guess better. But you never, there's never a season where you get to watch where they're learning how to do the show, and I always love that season. I love the first season of West Wing, first season of Star Trek: The Next Generation is a good example of that. Like they don't have a clue what they're fucking doing that first season, and it's my favorite one to watch over and over. I really miss that sort of thing. Yeah. Better than Transformers. Uh, I think my favorite character, uh, it's it's between Josh and Leo, but I think it's Leo by a hair. Leo's just fucking great. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm we're 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 digging in hard. Like we're watching like two or three a night, so we're all in. That's dope. I love it. That's it for me. Okay, a whole year of Ian in West. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I got a lot of shit as usual, but I'll blow through it first. First thing first, I have an errata from our whatever we call that episode of our favorite things that people need to watch more. Uh, my buddy Chris called me to tell me that I was wrong about Gattaca. They weren't just selected based on genetics. There was genetic engineering involved. The people who were genetically engineered got the good jobs and the people who weren't genetically engineered were inferior specimens and didn't get to do shit. So, uh, you know, sorry for misleading you guys. <laughs> it's still a good movie. Yeah, I, I to be fair thought it was the same thing you did, so I, I don't know if they landed that point. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, I'm just briefly going to touch on Rick and Morty's been going on for four episodes now, and it's a solid season. Uh, yeah, I think I think you mentioned hurt that it kind of got up its own butthole a little bit last season, uh, and they have they have pulled back out of its own butthole a little bit, and it's nice again. Right. I'm not saying yeah. they're all, they're all the best episodes, but I like. I don't know. I like that it's not just diving deeper and deeper and deeper down the the meta commentary line. It's just having like fun, goofy sci-fi adventures. Totally. You know, I, I talked about how Black Widow just made me want to watch Captain America Winter Soldier. I did. I went home and watched Captain America Winter Soldier immediately after I watched Black Widow. Uh, Shit Still Kicks. It's my favorite Marvel movie. I love it. I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'm not actually going to fight anybody who says differently, but you should rewatch it. It's very good. <laughs> Uh, no, that Nick, that Nick Fury car chase scene, fucking awesome. It's so it's good. Like, yeah, yeah, like I mean, it's just so fucking good. And the Winter Soldier is so terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to mention. So hurt last week, we talked about the uh, No Sudden Move movie, and at the end of it, you said you've got, you've convinced me to watch the Nice Guys. What did you mean when you said that? Because they they had the same they basically had the same resolution the same revolution that the car industry and you know in general biz, big, big business is evil it's a crime story that at the end of it you know everything is bleak because the guys with the money are the guys who are going to win I'm so impressed one you could remember the plot of that movie but two this is also about the suppression of the catalytic converter so uh, <laughs> well done. Yeah, I, I also went back and rewatched the night. Nice guy. It's, it's really great. Uh, if yeah. you haven't seen it, it's yeah. I mean, it is a better version of all the things that we were talking about. Ryan Gosling is so fucking funny in that movie. And so is Russell Crowe. <laughs> yeah, totally. 
Uh, it's it's definitely the best thing that both of them have been in in you know a while, and I'm not even shitting on Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling makes good movies, but it's, it's probably my favorite duo in a, in a good while. It's it's literally something I can put on anytime. anytime. I just love it. Yeah, it's super easy to watch. And then the final thing I'm going to talk about uh, is a, something I talked about a long, long time ago because it was a winter anime that finished and then had like a final quote unquote episode like four months later wonder egg priority it's it's like a super high concept i I, I, the the best way i can describe it is a combination between uh stephen king's it and flatliners so just meld that in your brain a little bit but it came out you know it came out in the winter and every single episode was like unbelievable like it looked great it was it was tackling you know just just huge things uh it, it was uh, a, a magical girls genre it was a, a shared childhood trauma story it was a sci-fi thing it was just all these things and it handled it really well like it was it was really deeply rooted in a strong like character and relationship root and it just knocked my socks off it was so fucking good uh and then it gets to episode 12 which was supposedly the last episode and then it just stops in the middle of the story and it was weird as hell uh <laughs> And so then fast forward four months to like a week or two ago, they released the real quote unquote final episode. Apparently this thing had like a bunch of production issues uh, and it sucked nuts. It was so bad. It wasn't like, it wasn't not sticking the landing. I mean, it was like, it was just absolutely crashing and burning everything that had came before it, which was a real bummer. But I, I have to say like, I, I, after it, I go and read a bunch of shit about things that I like, you know, read other reviews, watch other YouTube videos, and everyone's like, the ending's bad, so the whole thing's bad. And I don't agree with that at all. I think the the sheer ambition of what they tried to accomplish with this series was, like, unbelievable. And how close they actually came to pulling it off is also incredible. I think it's something that, uh, you know, will be rewatched a lot and will be pulled on and, and, uh, and referenced a lot going forward. So I think even though it has a bad ending, I still think the series as a whole is absolutely worth watching. So Wonder Egg Priority, it's got a lot of trigger warnings. You know, if, if you don't like anime, fucking that's not the first one to start with. Uh, but if you do, it, it fucking rocks, even though the ending sucks. I highly recommend it better than Transformers. Well, I definitely agree. I, I, if there's one thing I hate that the internet has, has latched on is that if the ending of something sucks, the whole thing sucks. I can't stand that. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is, this is a thing specifically for you, Hurt, because, you know, we talk a lot about this show about uh, people, you know, taking, taking safe bets. This was a big fucking swing. And I don't, <laughs> I don't know if it was a home run, but uh, it was certainly memorable. And I, I absolutely applaud the just sheer audacity to try it. But that's it right for on. me. Uh, we're going to be off next week because I'm not going to be here and no one else will edit this podcast. Uh, that's not true. I just don't want to do it. I'm not going to blame you guys. Uh, but uh, the week after that, we'll be back. Loki will be over, and I think we'll do a Loki episode. Uh, as always, Ian, you are welcome to come back and join us anytime. <laughs> but, but you know, I'm sure you'll have opinions on Loki also. It was fun, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for coming on, bud. Thanks for keeping my seat warm. Yeah, always. <laughs> uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening. If you had any other thoughts on, on Black Widow, if there's amazingly something that we didn't fucking talk about with that movie... Uh, you can reach us at realphonies@gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter at realphonies and on Instagram at real underscore phonies. Thanks to Zach Evans for art and Brian Velasquez for our theme. We'll see you guys later. Later. Hello.